Thank you very much, brother. <coughs> be seated. <coughs> I certainly deem this a grand privilege of being here tonight with Brother Groomer and to his church and uh, greet the flock that's sojourning here in Tempe, Arizona. I believe this is this the city of the Mormon temples built in, isn't it? Or no, it's Mason. Mason. I know it's one of these little cities many years ago when I was just a boy at the dedication of the Mormon temple. I didn't remember where it was Tempe or Mesa, as far as the building said. And I'm always late, never on time. You know, they tell me I was just a little bit over the normal time coming to this earth. <laughs> I had my wife waiting for a long time for when we got married. <laughs> if I can just be late for my funeral now, <laughs> that's the next thing. <laughs> that's the time I want to be late, real late. <laughs> but uh, people has been good to wait on me. I got in a snowstorm and was held up a couple days before I got here, and I'm two days late on meeting here with Brother Groomer. I should have been here last Tuesday night. But we have made arrangements so we can get caught up, and um, or however they've got it fixed. I may be wrong on this, but they've got it fixed, so I'll catch up anyhow. <laughs> Last night we had a wonderful meeting uh, over at um, uh, the other church out in um, Brother Hatton, I think. Yeah, Brother Hatton, very fine. Christian gentleman. I met him yesterday and sat in the study a little while with him, and we had a time of fellowship, got to pray with each other, had a wonderful service out last night, but stayed a little long, kept the people up late. And that's kind of a habit with me, but tonight I'm not going to do that. I, I don't intend to preach any longer than four hours. I, I just never expected that's usually about right at the tabernacle or somewhere. As I see some of my friends from up around Jeffersonville at business. We got people sitting out here before us tonight, I notice, that drive all the way from Macon, Georgia, every Sunday to have, that's about 714, that's about 1,500 miles a round trip to come to church on Sunday. And they don't do that just one time. Every day in the year that we have service up the tabernacle. They drive from way down in Macon, Georgia. I see brother and sister Dow here from Ohio. Uh, brother Dow is well stricken in age, but just he and his wife together, and the Lord has been good to them. And they, um, they drive every Sunday, this aged couple, from way up in Ohio, down from the over icy roads, and she, a woman, drove all the way from Ohio here to get to be in the meeting. And here the people are from Macon and different places. It's uh, gathered in here for the service. We're glad to have friends like that. So happy to uh, share our privileges together, our fellowships together. For truly, we profess that we are pilgrims and strangers. This is not our home. I believe I just look over and see a brother all the way from Iowa down here, if that's right, isn't it, brother? Over here, brother Norman's brother-in-law from Iowa. 
We are like Abraham. We are left the world and we are looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. We're believing that someday, some glorious day, we shall see that city. My whole heart's desire is to see that glorious city. Now, we are trusting to God to bless us tonight and to give us of His presence. And I was just only a saying that for just a little uh, change the atmosphere for a little smile uh, when I said preaching four hours. Now, I'm guilty of doing that, see. And, and the people's guilty of sitting listening that long, but uh, that's, that's kind of hard punishing them like that. This is a nice built little church. I can just about see everybody. It would be a fine time place here for a real healing service if we'd have one sometime. Uh, to have it. I noticed way back in the back, I see uh, Sister Evans back there. I don't see Brother Evans. They're also from down in Macon, Georgia, way down in the warm country. They talked to us the other day and said they were getting even with we Yankees up there. They had nine inches of snow, so they something to brag about, having all that snow. Did you have a good trip over? That, well, that's very fine, Brother Evans. Just a little testimony for Brother Evans back there. And I'd like to make it, if it's all right with you, Brother Evans. If it's a, um, How I come to get acquainted with Brother Evans was at uh, the Mets up in uh, Philadelphia. Brother Theo Jones, many of you have heard of him. He's a full gospel brother, very fine preacher. And we met, and he asked me if I'd come over to the Mets with him for a couple nights of service, and that I agreed to do when we was coming from somewhere. And uh, Brother Leo Mercener and Brother Gene Gold had got acquainted with Brother Evans in some way. And they said, there's a man wants to meet you on one of the private interviews, said, from down in Georgia. And I said, all right. And my wife and little boy, little Joseph, as many of you remember, the Lord showing me six years before he was born. The doctor said it's impossible he couldn't be, but the Lord said it was going to be. So... Um, Joseph came right on, just on time. And um, so uh, we had, he was about two years old then, or three. And I remember the morning we got up in the hotel. Joseph looked over to me when I was getting dressed to go to breakfast with Brother Evans. I'd never met him yet. And I said to my wife, Meet it, you know, honey, that this man that we're going to meet, I described him, I said, he and his wife. And I saw a vision of him this morning. He likes to fish, but he's a violator. And I said, I, I, I see him doing something he ought to do. And I said, I don't know where I should tell him or not. Well, she said, you better be easy. And I said, I will. And so little Joseph raised up in the bed. He said, Daddy, do you know that David's going to have a wreck on his motorcycle? And I said, what's that, son? His mother called him. said, David, David Wood lives next door to me. He was a Jehovah Witness. And his leg had infantile paralysis and drawed his leg up under him. And at one of the meetings, his father and mother had him there. And the Lord Jesus revealed all about him, what he was, and told him to stand on his feet. He was made well. And there his leg come right out normal. And his father's a contractor. He gave his heart to the Lord Jesus and, and moved over next door to me. and been living there for the last several years. And the boy, lest he'd think he doesn't even know which leg it was that 
that was hurt. There's people sitting here tonight who knows the boy. How many of you here knows David Woods? As many are sure that that uh, seen the boy. And Joseph said, I was just seeing David get hurt on a motorcycle down the lane near the schoolhouse. Well, I thought a few days before that he had told me that he was waiting for his little sister to come home. He's on his velocipede. He said, Daddy, I seen... said, is there a man up there that's got a, a hand about that big? And I said, I don't know. Why? He said, I looked up and said, I was going out towards your road on my velocipede and said, I seen a great big hand look like Jesus' hand was holding me from going out on the road. Well, we never thought much about it. But when he told us this prophecy that David is going to get hurt on a motorcycle, that kind of was strange to me. And you know, we was home three days, and he told me which leg it was going to be, the right-hand side, and he's going to tear his clothes, hurt his right-hand side. We said, you dreamed that last night, Joseph. No, no, he never dreamed. He said, I, I seen Day-Day right now have it, see? Well, I thought he was just going on. Three days after we got home, David jumped on a motorcycle. A boy came from Louisville on the motorcycle, and he went down the road, and right at the same place, fell on the motorcycle and skinned his leg all up on the right-hand side. And um, that's just the, the day that I met Brother Evan. So after talking to him and seeing he was just a good southern brother, I said, I want to ask you something. I said, you go fishing down in the bios down somewhere, look like Florida to me. He said, I do. I said, just recently you had a sack full of fish. You oughtn't have had that many. I said, and uh, he said, kind of face got red, dropped his head down. And I said, you were coming out, you and your boy, and you hid those fish three times because you seen the game board, not the end you thought it was. <laughs> he said, yes, sir. That's right. His face real red, he and his wife. I said, is this? He said, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have done that. I said, but I sure would like to go fishing down there. <laughs> well, he took me. I went down. And on way back, there's just very bad snakes back in those alligators, and crocodiles, snakes, and everything back there. It's worse than Arizona Gila monsters. They have what they call the ground rattler, a little bitty fellow, and he's, he's a mean fellow. And his brother had got bit by one about three or four months before that and was still with a, a cast on his leg and a hoop over for months and laid in the hospital, didn't know where he's going to live or die, his younger brother. So Brother Evans and I had gotten back there, and I was fishing. Oh, I'd had a great day. Uh, I just loved to fish. I, I'm the poorest fisherman in the world, but... The, I've got a good guide, him, and, and he tells me where they're at, and usually I get them, and I got some nice ones that day, and I hung one so big, a great big bass, about 10 or 11 pounds, I guess, and I couldn't hold him. And the little bumblebee popper he got out of his mouth, and his mouth about like that, and the little bumblebee about like that, and he could get up and shake it out of his mouth, but he was so angry, I threw it back, and he got on the third time, and Brother Evan said, oh, get him, Brother Branham. So I was popping along there with this pole trying to get this bass to strike it again. And another one, an awesome great big fella, hit it. And I got him kind of worn down, kept him out of the pond lilies till he was coming up close to the bank. Brother Evans sitting there. He got his feet wet. He just rolled up his trouser legs and was barefooted. He said, just a minute, the toolies and things was up out like that. I said, I'll get him. I said, never mind, I'll drag him in. Or if he gets off, we got plenty. 
So started to pull in like that. Said, I'll get him. As he stepped out, a little ground rattler got him. Just as he stepped down. Right through the top of the foot, right above the ankle bone. I never heard such a, a look on a face or heard such a holler. He got out of there holding his hands like that and gritting his teeth. Looked, and there was just a little, about that far apart where the snake's fangs had hit right into his leg. Now, you're the sickest person in the world in just a few minutes. And you better get to aid or somewhere because you'll die. And that, uh, that venom is really poison on a ground rattler. Well, he's a great big man, and I was too little to pack him about two miles through the car through the old swamps, and we was watching alligators everywhere, and I'm not too brave around them anyhow, so, and I thought, what can I do? And just then, something seemed to speak to me, and I seen the scripture of the Lord said, and they shall tread on the heads of scorpions and on the heads of serpents, and nothing shall harm them. Then I thought of his brother, but his brother isn't a believer. He isn't a Christian. But this man is a Christian. So he was just gripping and holding his leg. I laid hands up on him. I said, Heavenly Father, we're in a state of emergency. And I'm, I'm unable to pack my brother. And besides, he'd be so sick time I got him out of here. I don't know whether we'd get him to aid in time or not. But it's written in your word that nothing shall harm them. And this is a believer. And I noticed he quit suffering or making noise. And when I quit praying, he was sitting looking at me laughing. He said, all the pain's gone. Well, I said, shall we go on? We went on fishing, fished all that day. That night about 11 o'clock, we got so many big bass that when we got out to civilization again, while they were out there taking pictures and looking at him way up in the night about 11 o'clock, and his brother... The one that was bit by a snake was running a, a bait shop. And he came over and we told the story. Showed the place. And his brother said, it's all right to be religious, but not foolish. Said, you get to a hospital as quick as you can and get first aid. Brother Evans said, if God Almighty has protected me since 11 o'clock this morning till 11 o'clock tonight, that's settled. Never even had another pain. Would you just stand up, Brother Evans, so people can see who I was talking about? This is from down. And, oh, he is God wherever you are. He's the never-failing presence of Jesus Christ. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. And he's a challenge to put your faith anytime you want to in his word, and he'll bring it to pass. Now, I'm, it's a privilege to be here tonight with our good brother, Groomer, and I've, he's been asking me for a long time to come up here, and I just think it's wonderful to be here tonight. And with these other fine brothers, get to meet Brother Ballard over here, and many of you, and we're all expecting to be at the businessman's breakfast and down at the, at the uh, what is the name of it? Ramonda. Have I said that right? Ramada. Is that Spanish? <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time I learned one word in Spanish. Uh, 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 well, I don't say that right no more. I better quit that. <laughs> I mean, do you hear me? Or something like that. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, yeah. That's it. Oh, yeah. That's it. And then that glory adios. Glory to God. That's it. Glory adios. I remember that from long ago. So I'm still hollering glory adios. <laughs> So 
Now, tonight, so you won't stand very long, and, and uh, I just a little time of fellowship, and excuse me standing here on the platform speaking or, and rejoicing, because I'm so happy to be here. I think that God wants His children to be happy. Amen. I, I believe we can run it to extremes and, and just get insincere about it, but I believe that God wants His people to be real happy Amen. and sociable, friendly, from our hearts, loving each other as God for Christ's sake or Christ loved us. I think that's why we ought to be happy Christians. Now, Let's just before we read the word, let's just speak to the author just a moment as we bow our heads. Now with our heads bowed as we laying aside our little time of fellowship together now to get acquainted and renew our fellowship. I wonder in this visible little building tonight, either outside or in, if there be any requests to be made mention and you let it be known by your lifting up your hand just God knows your hearts God be merciful God be merciful now he knows your need how many has a spiritual need that you'd lift up your hands God bless you and now for a healing of your body raise up your hands as if there's any sick people oh my it's a sick old world, isn't it? Let us talk to him who can make all the wrongs right. Almighty God, as you appeared to Abraham in the name of the Almighty God, thou art from everlasting to everlasting, Almighty God. And we are so glad tonight that we have the privilege of coming to thee knowing this, that if we come in on the invitation of Jesus, uh, there we have the assurance that you're listening in. For he said, Ask the Father anything in my name, I'll do it. Now we believe that because it is a, a word of God. And we have so many needs tonight, Lord. We thank Thee for this church and for a nation that we can still have this type of meeting in, for a city that would not close the doors. We thank Thee for its pastor, our precious brother, and for all the board, the deacons, the trustees, and all the members. And God, above all this, we thank You forever, pilgrim here tonight those who are sojourning with us here on earth. We've come together, Father, in the sincerity of worship and believing that Thou will meet with us and not fail to bless us and give to us the very least of our desires. And Thou didst see the hands of this people for spiritual conditions. Oh, God, move back ever fear and doubt tonight. May the Holy Spirit have premises. God, we pray for those who are in physical condition, uh, interrupted, that they cannot uh, enjoy life, that 
The devil has done evil to them and made them sick. Let them know tonight that by the stripes of the Lord Jesus we are everyone healed. May we have courage tonight to climb into the presence of God by faith. For truly God is our Father and faith is our Mother that brings us to birth to God. So may we by Mother Faith be brought into the presence of Father God who gave the promise and deliver us from all evil. As he taught us to pray, deliver us from evil. Now, Lord, bless these visiting ministers, the Christian businessmen's gatherings coming up. We pray for that, that many souls may be saved. And when we leave tonight, may we be able to say like those coming from Emmaus, did not our hearts burn within us as he talked to us along the road. Bless thy word as we read it. Thy word is a lamp, a light that gives light from earth to glory. And may we climb a little higher on the ladder tonight, Lord, as because of our fellowshipping together in the presence of Christ Jesus. Now, Father, from this hour, walk into our presence. Take the word of the living God and give it to every hungry heart. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Now, you that like to take the text or wants to read in the Scriptures with us, if you will turn in your Bibles to St. John, the first chapter, I want to read quite a portion of the Word out of St. John, the first chapter. And now we're going to begin with the 15th verse of St. John, the first chapter. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. And the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, has declared Him. For this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask Him, Who art thou? And He confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked Him, What then art thou, Elias? And he said, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as saith the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were all the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, or Elias, or, or neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not. He it is whom cometh after me is preferred before me, 
whose shoe latches I am not worthy to unloosen. These things were done Bethany beyond Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, <clears throat> pardon me, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God which take away the sin of the world. This is he whom I said, After me cometh the man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Amen. Again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And then Jesus turned and saw them following and said unto them, What seekest ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he said unto them, Come see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first finds his own brother, Simon, and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. May the Lord add his blessings to this reading of his word. And now with the deepest of interest, May I call your attention just for a few moments to a, a little text that, if I'd call it that, sitting at the desk a while ago, about three or four o'clock this afternoon, reading, this struck me. And to draw a text from this, I want to take um, this, these two words, convinced, then concerned, convinced, then concerned. Now, we are living in a terrible time. We're living in a time of a great falling away. We know that. We are aware. Last evening, I was preaching on the subject of presuming. Down at the other church, people taking some kind of a something and just presuming they are Christians. And the word presume, as we explained last night, means to adventure without authority. And too many people are presuming today. Well, they say, I did such and such. I joined church. I, I was immersed in water. I presume I am a Christian. That won't work. As you can't presume, once you've got to be sure you are. Amen. You've you got to really know that you are a Christian. So today, I feel in the face of our nation has more membership Christians than the nation's ever known of. But did you know last year, according to the statistics, that there hasn't 
There no seminary, one just barely compared with the year before, but every other seminary or school or Bible school fell under its quota of ministers. Where young people with calls in their life to go out into the field and so forth that goes for their training and so forth, how they used to stand in line to be enrolled in the schools, and now you can hardly persuade them in. There's something wrong somewhere. I believe with all my heart, without any uh, hoping not to be saying anything wrong, but I believe it's because of a lack of interest, concern. Enough, not enough concern. There's too much concern about uh, making an atomic bomb. Too much concern about who's going to get on the moon first. And, and I ain't caring about getting on the moon. I want to get in heaven. Where I uh, want to get. No, they're always hollering about, we got a man in space first. Russia keeps hollering to us, we put a man in space. Why, we've had one in space for 2,000 years. <laughs> sure, we they got money. They're, they're so far behind. They're 2,000 years behind us. <laughs> we had a man in space way back under night 2,000 years ago. Rose up out of the grave and is in space and all over everywhere. Amen. Certainly. So that's the one that we are looking to. He'll take us to where he said, In my Father's house are many mansions, and I'll go and prepare a place. Somewhere beyond the space shutter. I do not know, but he'll come back to receive us. That's the thing. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither be afraid. Oh, I love that. That just lets me know that there is a home in the rock somewhere, way beyond the mountaintop, as the poet said. Now, this falling away is a lack of concern for the body of Christ. I believe that maybe the right thing hasn't been presented. So many young students that would take a call in life see so many failures out here and really see that the order and program of the day has failed. Not Christ hasn't failed, but the system that we have created has failed. Christ's program hasn't failed, but the people's system has failed. Now, Christ has a program that we must enter in. Now, we could stay a long time on these few little scriptures and things I wanted to refer to. But to hurry along, let's begin now and start back in the book of Isaiah and begin with John's first being called a voice of one crying in the wilderness some 712 years before his birth. And when Zechariah, his father, a priest, in his day, uh, was a minister in the temple of the Lord. And he and his wife Elizabeth was well stricken in age. And the Holy Spirit came to Zacharias and blessed him and told him about the child, as we all know. But it must have been a strange thing and a feeling in the heart of that age couple when this promised son arrived and his speech had been dumb until the time that he gave his name according to God's Word. 
See, God's Word is so perfect. And because that one little jot art tittle can in no wise pass out, it cannot pass away until it has been fulfilled. Praise God. Jesus is coming. Amen. And He's coming for a church without a spot or a wrinkle. Amen. And not one word or one iota of that will ever fail. The church will be in that shape when Jesus comes. They're waiting on us. Now notice that Zechariah and Elizabeth, as they were well stricken in age, they knew that they would not be able to live out the span of life long enough to see their son, what God had for him in store. But they knowed that God was with him because the Holy Spirit had promised that promise, and they know God would take care of their son. Now, according to the history, they died when he was about nine years old. And John, how strange these fellows are. Now, it looked like that John, being out of the home of a priest, that he, being a religious man, and knowing there was a call in his life, he would have went right straight down to the school and become a priest like his father. Now, that would have been the natural uh, run of thought. When a boy gets a call in his life, the first thing they think about is run over to the seminary somewhere. See, run to the school. Or something on that order. Wait till you get your uh, degrees and so forth before you preach. And now John did just vice versa to that. Instead of going to the school that his father came out of, he knew there was a call in his life. And he knew that he was to a nap. He was to introduce to the world the Messiah because he was to go before him and there couldn't be a mistake in it. So instead, he knowed if he went down to the school and told them, many of you don't understand it here, but I'm the one that was born of Zechariah the priest who got his schooling here in this uh, school of theology. And I've, uh, I, you know, my mother, a righteous woman, and um, you know who I am. So I come down, bishop, archbishop, so forth, to, to learn what this Messiah will look like. Because I'll have to know what he looks like. I'll have to be sure because he's going to be a man. And I'm going to have to know what he looks like so I can truly introduce him to the world. Amen. Now, that's an important office. My brethren, you know we got that same office? Amen. Right. Amen. Truly introducing to the people the Messiah. Amen. So... He knew that if he went down to the school, that every man would have a different idea about it. And it would only cause confusion. But John, at the age of nine years old, went to the wilderness to be alone with God so that he would not make a mistake. He wanted to know what this Messiah would be, how he would find him, what he would look like, so that he could introduce him. 
And we find that instead of going to take all of his degrees and come up as a priest, as his father was, and following the footsteps of his father, father, he went as far away from the school as he could go. Come out into the wilderness alone with God. I have nothing against the schools. I have nothing against that at all. They're very fine. But sometimes after you have got your degree in schools, you still have to go out in the wilderness somewhere to find the will of God. That's right. It is true. Now, John, bearing this great office, went straight to the wilderness and was there from the age of nine until he was 30 years old in the wilderness. You can notice the way he talked. He was a wilderness man. Oh, you generation of snakes. See? You've been used to the snakes in the wilderness. See? See? Oh, the axe is laid to the root of the tree. See? His wilderness. See? Uh, he, he preached like he had lived in the environment he had lived in. And he... Uh, give those symbols of the things that he had learned out there in the, the wilderness. Now, why was John so sure? Did you notice he didn't say, uh, uh, perhaps this is. He said, behold, this is. Amen. Yeah. How would he be so sure? Now, let's read another verse, the 26th verse I got written out here. I want to see what we get out of this 26th verse here. And John answered them, saying, I baptize you with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not. Look, John knew. How was John so sure that right among that bunch somewhere, standing there then was that Messiah? There's one standing among you now who you don't know. And he's the one that's going to baptize with the Holy Ghost. See? He knew him. Why? Because the time was at hand. Brethren, the time is at hand. It pays the Christian not to just join the church or to depend upon some uh, maneuver, some sensation, or something on that way, but to be sure that you're right. Now, there's so much today uh, that we have. Some allows it to schooling. Some allows it to learning creeds. Some allows it to little funny feelings. Some allows it to different things, which I don't have nothing against that. That's all right. But that's not what I'm talking about. You can have that without having the real thing. See? And that's what we're trying to say. We must be sure. Because the time is at hand for the, the real pouring out of the Holy Spirit. He promised He would pour out in the last days. Now, there's so many people say, if you quiver, hold your eyes shut, do all kinds of things and get sensations, you get spirits, friend. But if your life don't tally up to what you're professing, then there's something wrong with the Spirit you got. It's true. See, you you must be sure the Holy Spirit will bring forth a holy life. That is right. 
And if the desire's in your heart, if you have to force yourself constantly to try to press and do what's right and the world's still hungering in you, then there's something wrong. See, the Holy Spirit in you will not hunger for the world. It'll hunger for God. If it's hard for you to go to church and press yourself to come when the church is open, there's something wrong with that Spirit. It's trying to keep you away from God. The Spirit of God will run you right straight to the church every time the door opens for fellowship. Yes, sir. So you've got to be sure of this now. The time is at hand. Now, John knew that the time was at hand, so therefore he said, There's one standing here somewhere among you whom you don't know. Neither did he at that time. For he had said, Here he is or there he is. That's him standing there. But John, if he'd have went to school, he probably would have pointed out 50. But you see, John had went to a different school. John had been before God. John had revealed to him by God exactly the Word of God, what the Messiah would be like. So he was waiting to see the sign of the Messiah. He wanted to see where the Messiah was. God promised I'll vindicate that Messiah to you. I'll tell you now, if you want the Scripture for that, it'll be a scriptural sign. Uh, Verse 33. Let's take the verse 33 here and read. Now what? And I know him, knew him, not, I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. See, there was God wants to make sure that there is no mix-up about it. God said, John, I'm going to give you a sign. And then when you see this sign upon him, that's going to prove that that is the one. John said he's standing out there somewhere. But I'll, I don't know him yet. But as soon as he saw the the Spirit descending and resting upon him, nobody else saw it but John. Just think of that. The Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove and rested upon Jesus, and nobody saw it but John. Because the promise was made to John. Now, if there's an unbeliever here that doesn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you say, I just don't believe it. You'll never know anything about it. You say, I don't believe in divine healing. I can't see it's right. Certainly you can't. No, sir, but he that believeth, Amen. it's for believers. Amen. The one that has a hunger in their heart to see God sees it. Nobody, that man was with Paul, didn't see that light hanging there over Paul. They didn't see the light, but it's so, so real to Paul till he put his eyes out. So bright that it put one man's eyes out standing looking at it and the other standing around couldn't even see it. So you see, it's sent to those who believe and are ready to receive it. The wise man, the magi, from the east followed the star for two years uh, down across the Tigris River and through the plains and come from way over in Arabia, over into India, came down to Jerusalem following that star and it passed over every observatory and none of them wrote anything about it. They didn't see it. But 
They saw it. So I believe tonight that the Holy Spirit is here. It's here for those who are destined to receive it. Who that believes it? Who's awaiting on it? It's here to straighten out every one of them spiritual problems. It's here to heal every sick person that's present. It's here. But you've got to come and get in the, the atmosphere of it and the attitude to receive it. You've got to come not in emotional workup. You've got to come up on the basis of believing a promise that God made. That does it. That's what does it. He was waiting to see that sign, and then uh, he, was, he could announce him. And he did. Now, the second day, John saw him again, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. He was positive. He knew that was him. They said, How do you know? He said, He that sent me in the wilderness to baptize with water set upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining. He's the one that will baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. There was two of his disciples standing there, and they followed Jesus. And when we, uh, Philip, Andrew, but when they got to, they said, Rabbi, where dwellest thou? We'd like to know where you live. Now, we have been listening to a prophet standing down here on the river, and he's been telling us now for six months that there was coming a Messiah and he would recognize him. Now, we know that prophet to be a just man. We believe him to be a prophet. He's, he's a vindicated prophet. We know he is. And he says that you are the Messiah. Now, we would like to know where you live. And he said, come see. And they went in and stayed all night with him because it was late in the afternoon. Did you notice? They stayed with him that night. And the next morning, Andrew was so completely convinced till he wanted to find his brother. <laughs> see? Now, that's the only way that I see for there to come a concern in the church and back among the people is to stay long enough until you're convinced that the program is right and it's God and not some mental illusion or emotion or, or psychology or some workup. It's absolutely the baptism of the Holy Spirit that God promised to pour out in the last day. That's the reason the seminaries are dropping off. They are seeing that all that they get somehow or another, it doesn't... It's always promising something that you never get to. Something they promise and just keep promising and promising and promising. You never get to it. But the promise isn't to you and to your children. And to them it's far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call, Peter said on the day of Pentecost. Now, it isn't for a group way back some other age. It's today. Amen. How far? As many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. The signs was to follow the believers so that they'd know who they were. Given a vindication of them that they were. Now, Andrew become very, very concerned because he stayed with him all night and was convinced. And then when he was become convinced that he was the Christ, then he was concerned about somebody else. And I believe that every man, every woman, every boy or girl that ever stays long enough, that you're convinced that it is right and it is the Holy Ghost. You're a burden so hard in your heart that you can't stand still and let these people die like this in shame and sin. 
it'll grind the very heart out of you. You get out here on these streets. It does any Christian to see the people wholly given over to sin. Drinking, gambling, cursing, swearing, smoking. Every car you pull up behind is a woman with a cigarette in her fingers. Well, one of these waterhead haircuts that they're, they're using now. And all this common nonsense. And thousands of those profess to be Christians. Don't you realize, friend, Bill, I'm on that. That like the first lady of the land. Did you know Jezebel was the first lady of that land, too? She was. Come on. Yeah. Certainly. But Elijah called her out. She hated him. But he told her where she belonged. Actually, he was her pastor. She didn't want to admit it, but he was. That's right. He told her. Now we see all sin and the things the way they are. And it grinds into the heart of anyone. See little children. My wife was telling me this morning, we went up to the little church up at the other place. Brother Williams taking us up there yesterday. And she said, Bill, it was thrilling. After coming on the streets and seeing a little girls not over 12 years old walking along with cigarettes in their hands and boys coming from school with their arms around them, wrong place. Children. Why the policeman ought to pick up something like that? Well, that's corruption. What that poor little kid? What will happen to her? Out in honky-tonks and everything else, drinking and gambling and carrying on with these boys not over 12, 14 years old, and their mother just as bad. Right. And all of them belong to church. She said at this church out there yesterday, it was sweet to see a bunch of little children about eight or nine years old all come in and go to the altar and pray and then grab rags and go to shine off the seat so the people could come in that night. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There's still a branch left. Amen. Somewhere. There's a remnant. God will call together. All right. Convinced and then concerned. Now... Andrew was concerned about his brother as soon as he was absolutely convinced that that was the Messiah. How did he do it? He stayed with him all night. The trouble is we can't stay with him five minutes. <laughs> oh, I got to get home. Some re- television programs. Um, we just got to see that play. I just can't stay no longer. That's all. I haven't missed that in a long time. It's the stairway running, you know. And so I, I can't, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh-huh. I tell you. I just got to do this or that. I can't do this and do that. No time. Oh, brother, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. See? But the thing, then that loses concern. And after a while, you've lost the whole, you've lost everything. You're not concerned about anything then, but just your own self. That's right. We're so concerned today about filling our churches up. We want to see if we, uh, if we Pentecostals can't get more than the Baptists. The Baptist wants to get more than the Methodists. And they're gladly hollering to get more and more all the time. But what have they got? They haven't got nothing but just a riffraff from the streets in there. When they shouldn't nothing be brought in the church but the holy and sanctified and set aside. No wonder the sinner has an awful time. Why, the people, even our Pentecostals, 
pursue me if there are Christians going around and dallying in the world, running to picture shows and parties and dances, women cutting their hair and wearing immoral skirts. You say they don't do it? Come down to businessman's breakfast and find out if they don't or not. Come in any Pentecostal church early on a Sunday morning and find out they're not. Uh, women squeezing themselves in the little dresses and, and things and acting so nasty and everything like that. That's a shame. You know it is. Well, you say, well, you oughtn't to say that. I, oh, God have mercy. God give us somebody that's got nerve enough to say it. It's the Bible. Now. That's the thing that's got to be said. Sure. Well, the man's uh, um, a man that let his wife do that. I, I've got little respects to him either. Uh, how would he be a Christian when he's supposed to rule his own house, keep it in order? Why it's a shame. We ought to go back to holiness, go back to the right, go back to God. So, but when you see the world sees the church, just we Pentecostal people profess something. The world says they haven't got it. See, you say they haven't got it. They're no different from the rest of them. Well, that's just exactly right. They're right, just exactly. You know, we're always trying to cope with the world. We're trying to outshine them. As I said the other night, you're you're trying to meet them on their ground. Let them come over on our ground. See, we don't want to try to get what they got. We got something that they can't have unless they become one of us. That's right. Be a vessel of the Lord. Have Christ. Christ said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. But see, when the church don't do that, they lift it up. You ought to lift him up, as the song said, by living as Christians ought to do. Amen. But instead of that, we start right off. The very things we do and things proves that we haven't got it. See? Yeah. So you, you're just presuming that, as I said the other night. Don't you do that. Come back. Don't take a substitute because you're going to die. And remember, when you die and that soul leaves you, it never changes. No, sir. Death doesn't change the soul. It changes its dwelling place, but it's still the same soul. So if it isn't born again and a part of the eternal Spirit of God, it had a beginning. Anything with a beginning has an end. That's the reason God's the only thing that's eternal. Unless you're born again and have eternal life, the Greek word zoe there means God's own life in you, you'll perish. But where God's life is in you, you can more perish than God can perish. That's right, because you are a son and offspring of God and have eternal life. Oh, that's the thing the church needs. Then when God is in you, then He lives His own life through you. See? And that's how we, we know that we're Christians. Then you're concerned about your brother. If the Spirit is in Christ, that He was so concerned that He came from heaven, give up heaven, came down here on earth, and become born in a manured stable with a bunch of blading cattle, uh, with not even clothes to put on Him. He associated not a place to lay his head, not a tomb to be buried in, smitten and stricken the way he was. He was concerned enough, and God so loved the world to give his only begotten Son. And all those things there, that that spirit that was in him, in you and them, we're not concerned about one another and about the church. People tell me all the time, a man said not long ago, said, Brother Brown, quit picking on the church, quit saying these things. That ain't for you to say it. I said, who's going to say it then? That's right. That's, sure, it's, it's our duty. It's our duty that people have really tell the truth because you're going to meet it again. This is just a little stay. That's eternal there. Let's stay with it. Tell the truth and be truthful about it. Yes, concern first. Before you can get concerned, you have to be convinced you're right. 
then when you're convinced that God is right and God is in you and God did just great things for you, then you're sure you see your brother in error, you're going to tell him about it. Amen. If there isn't something wrong, that's the truth. Now, and if you see that the church is wrong, you're, no matter, you love the church and, and you're, uh, Christ loved the church. And He gave His life for it. And we're supposed to do the same thing. Not only supposed to, but we will if we got the love of Christ in us. It constrains us and behooves us to do so as Christians. Yes, as soon as Andrew got convinced that that was Messiah, what did he do? No doubt that night sitting there in the meeting for him and, and his companion, Christ sat in the house there, no doubt but what Jesus went right back in the Scriptures and began to tell him. Now, Andrew was a scholar because his father was, him and Peter, was his father was a Pharisee and he was a good trained man. And so he knew what Messiah would be like. And when he seen the Messiah doing the things that Messiah should do, he saw the way he lived and everything. He was convinced that that was the Messiah. Now, when you see a God get a hold of you and change your life to make you from what, you, you, what you're not, to what you ought to be, then you're ready to tell somebody else about it. You're convinced. But the trouble is, we walk up, we have a short, quick bypass. We just, oh, we can't stay there very long. No, don't talk ten days to us or all night. No, we've got to go up and maybe uh, we'll uh, shake hands with the minister, put our name on the book, or go through some little sensation. We got it. Out night, one night in the bar room, the next night, preaching the gospel. See? Oh, my. That's what, where the trouble is. That's what we get so mixed up about. See? Right. On those things. Let a man prove himself. I remember the first sermon I tried to preach. I appreciate that old missionary Baptist preacher. I got up there and I seen the way he preached. And I just, a lad, been in the way about six months or a year. And he called me over and said, Now, I want you to preach tomorrow or Wednesday night. And I got up in the pulpit and I thought I'd done just like a preacher. I thought I'd done fine. The old mothers afterward, they patted me on the back and said, Brother Billy, that was just wonderful. The old mothers all around crying, saying, God's going to make a preacher out of you. I thought, Oh, I hope he does. I thought I'd done great. I went over to old Dr. Davis, sitting there, his lip hanging down. I said, How to do, doctor? I said, The worst I ever heard. <laughs> uh, oh, my. I thought I went through all the emotions and everything it's supposed to do. Swinging your hands and everything else, you know, like the preacher's done. I thought I'd done just every one of them. I'd watched him and done just what he did. He said, Worst I ever heard. I said, Brother Davis, he said, I never heard such in my life. He said, a young man, I want you to meet me in my study tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock. Oh, man. So at 2 o'clock, I went down with feathers all pulled over, you know. I said, good evening, Dr. Davis. He said, how do you, Billy? Sit down. I said, yes, sir. He said, I guess your feelings is hurt. I said, they're just stepped on. That was all. I said, what did I do wrong? He said, I want to tell you a little story. He said, you know, I studied as a lawyer before I was a minister. I said, yes, sir, I know that. He said, Billy, one time I studied the law, and I did it just the way you did the Bible, or the way you studied about the ministry. He said, I thought that I was a lawyer, and I swore it into the bench. He said, I got up there and pleaded a divorce case one time, my first case, and said, I'd see those lawyers beat on the table like that, and thought, your honor, sir, judge, and cry and wipe their face off with tears. This poor little woman, she's so-and-so and like that, said... Now, after a while, the old attorney was my opponent on the other side. Said he just sat and watched me for a long time. Said I cried, I beat the desk, and done everything just like the lawyers did. And said my uh, uh, the old opponent sat over there, the other lawyer on the other side, the man's lawyer sat there. Directly he said, "Said Judge, Your Honor, how much more of this nonsense can this court of yours stand?" <laughs> 
said, I lost the case and said, I, I was really whipped out. He said, I learned something then, you see. He, and I asked the judge, he said, not, said the attorney too was a friend of mine. But said, he come down there and said, Roy, I did that purposely. Said, you see, you were going through emotions. You were crying, shaking your head and beating it. Said, I do just like the other lawyers do. And he said, but you wasn't putting one iota of law into it. It's not how your emotions that wins the case. It's the verdict of the law. You've got to know what the law says about it. And that's the same way they said about you. He said, Billy, you shook your head and you cried and jumped up and down, but you never preached one word out of the Bible. <laughs> you went through all kinds of emotions. It's God's Word that counts. It's God's Word that tells us. Exactly right. It's got to be the Word. Exactly the Word. And when they seen that Word made flesh there in Jesus Christ, Andrew was thoroughly convinced, and then he was concerned about his brother. He went right quick. Did you notice him? He never said, Come over, uh, Simon. I, I, I want you to come over and sit in a meeting with me. Perhaps maybe we could discern the spirits and we could find out whether this man really is the Messiah or not. He never said that. He said, We have found him. Amen. There was no stuttering about it. We found the Messiah. Come see him. He was thoroughly convinced. Moses, likewise, when he thought to take over down in Egypt and kill an Egyptian, he had got unconcerned. He didn't. He wasn't concerned about it. If God was going to be with him, why wasn't he with him? So he went out and married a beautiful uh, woman. And so he had a baby by her, Gershom, and, and they were settled down. And he was going to herd a big flock of sheep out there from Jethro, the, the Midianite priest. And he was, everything was on easy street. He'd live with his wife and have a little home and, you know, just, uh, he was doing fine. A good job. He was going to fall air. Everything was all right. He was unconcerned. He didn't feel the taskmaster's whip no more. He, he wasn't concerned about his brethren down there, about the poor midwives and, and the women having their babies that had bursted their heads and throwed them into the crocodiles and, and they, how they'd made them serve uh, uh, hard down there he, in his slavery and bondage. He wasn't interested. He had his home paid for, just like we do today. That's the first thing we think about. Pay for a home. That's good. You ought to. That's right. But there's something ought to come before that. That's God first. The going on of the church. <clears throat> it's every man's duty in this church right here to see that the thing goes on right and you put your forced to it to bring every man and woman, boy or girl that you can in the street and the hedges and byways to bring him into the church. Moses had set back. Let him, I guess, that that's the way they're going to do it. All right, see, he had never had a personal experience yet. So one day, back on the back side of the desert as an old bearded herdsman went down across the hill there with a stick in his hand, he come in face to face with God. Hallelujah. Jehovah God setting up there in a bush and it burning. God attracted his attention enough to get him up there and get his shoes off of him. And he heard the voice of God. He was convinced that I am the I am. I never failed. I'm the one that was with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm still the same God. Then when he found out that God wasn't a bunch of creeds, God wasn't a bunch of doctrines, God was a real, live, living God. His heart was on fire. Nothing's going to stop him now. And he found out it was God's purpose to deliver Israel. 
And he just called for the job. Oh, God, give us preachers like that. That's what, that's what we need, brethren. Don't we, brethren? That's right. Instead of running off somewhere else, all of Moses' seminary experience is gone then. See, he, he was a smart man. He's taught in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He could teach them. But it didn't do no good. He had to have a personal experience with God and met him there face to face and talked with him. And as soon as he talked with him, found out what his idea was and what his program was, he was right then concerned about his brethren that was in bondage. And any man or woman that ever meets God face to face and can walk away and take it a light thing to see people on the streets crowding and sin, it kills you. I said to my wife some time ago and some of my brethren, I said, have I gone insane? Am I a madman? Why do I keep bawling to people? Why do I say this? And I fast. I said, fast and pray to get away from it. more I fast, the uglier sin gets. Yeah. It just makes it worse till honest. You can't even go out. My wife wanted me to go with her to a, some kind of a store the other day. And I went to the door and here come a lady through there. I know where the woman goes to church at. And she, it was horrible. I hollered, go back, boogeyman, I'll be good. I've seen that great big hair fuzzed out like that with blue-looking green paint around this way. Down that way, come staggering out through there, look like a titan skin wiener. Uh, out there in them clothes. Oh, it was terrible. Right. I was at a businessman's breakfast recently over in Los Angeles, and I was standing there waiting for Brother Argenbright to come in, and a lady walked in. I'd never seen anything like it. I thought, oh, my. Look at that poor thing. Uh, she, something wrong with her. So I started, I, I started to walk away and I said, No, I'm a minister. I hard to speak to her. I, I, I've, seen, I, I've seen cancer. I've seen leprosy. I've never seen anything like that. She's all green under the eyes. And I started, I walked over there. Now, human beings don't look like that unless they're dead or something or cankered. So I went over there and I thought, You know, I was going to walk up to her and say, Sister, excuse me. I, I'm, a, I'm a minister, and my ministry is praying for the sick. I, I, uh, I don't know, but would you like me to have a prayer for you? And while I was thinking, here come another up, and then another up. First time I'd ever seen it. Real funny color over this way, you know, and, and, uh, and blue up here, green down here. And it was the funniest looking sight. And honest to goodness, head that big around. I, I never seen anything like it. And I felt real ashamed of myself. Why, it's a disgrace! Yes. Certainly, uh, and with little old clothes on, like, uh, you know, the slacks they call them, when the Bible said a woman that puts on a garment pertains to a man, it's an abomination in the sight of God. Oh, the whole thing must be a stink before God. And how can your heart look upon that and not be concerned when you see your own nation, your own people, human beings shaking in a torment, going into hell, and you can't do nothing about it? Amen. Let me scream as long as i got a voice to scream. I don't oh, yeah. care what anybody says. It's right and wrong. I want on the right side. When Amen. I stand before God, I want to stand in the Yeah, sure. Moses was concerned when he really found out that God was God. He was concerned. Jacob, one night, he left Lebanon. And he was on his road over the desire coming to his heart to visit his homeland. And now we find out that he was afraid he wasn't he was afraid to meet his brother. So he got down to business before he crossed Jordan. And he prayed all night 
and he wrestled with the Lord. Wrestled all night. Oh, he said, I'll not let you go. I like that. Hold on to him. Stay all night with him. Andrew did. Stay all night with him. And he wrestled with the angel all night. And the angel said, it's coming daylight. I must leave. He said, I'll just not let you go. I want something in me that's different. I want something in me that'll change me. And you notice as soon as the Lord blessed him, the blessing that he asked for, he was ready then to cross the river and go see his brother. See? Why? He wrestled all night. He stayed with, he stayed with, the, with God all night long and wrestled with God. Now, if he just said, Hey, leave me alone now. I'm tired. See, the blessing had never come. See? Right. He had never, never been there. See? But he stayed all night. See, he wrestled with him all night, then was ready to go meet his brother the next morning. Little David one time. See, first thing, you've got to be convinced. Then the next thing, you're concerned after you're convinced. Now, Jacob knew, before I go to David, Jacob knew that the God that had separated him from his brother, the God that had sent him over into another country, and had been with him and blessed him and given him all he had, and had made him a promise that he'd take care of him, multiply him. If he'd go back to his own country, he knew if he could only get in contact with that God, then he would be concerned. So he did. All right. Now, David, one day come up to bring some, some fig cakes and some raisin pie. His uh, father had uh, fixed up, Jess had sent up, but David, he was a little boy, and his brother was a, in a war up there with Israel. And the Philistines was backed him up and had him on the side of a hill and the Philistines on the other side. And little old David come up with his little shepherd coat on, slingshot rolled up in his pocket or somewhere, and walked up there and he heard um, a big old roar come out of, of a giant over there, challenging the armies of the living God. Well, that just kind of got next to David. See? Now, David walked up to Saul and he told Saul after the news got around what he said he'd go fight him. He went up to Saul, and Saul said, Well, you're nothing but a boy. And you're just a little ruddy boy. And he is many times your size and has been a warrior since his youth. How could you ever fight a man like that? Now watch. David first was convinced. Amen. Amen. He was convinced. Then he was concerned about his brothers. If they were too yellow to fight him, he would. Amen. Amen. There you are. That's the kind of Christian. If the rest of them won't do it, let's us do it. Amen. Amen. If I have to stand alone, stand there. Call out right and wrong. Say it out there. Say it no matter what anybody says about you. Stand on God's Word and say it's right. Stay with it. Oh, what a time. David was convinced. He knew God was real. So Saul might have said something like this. Son, I admire your courage. But you, you're not a match for that man. See, they were looking at the outside, but David was convinced. He said, listen, one day, he said, your servant here was herding his father's sheep and said, a lion come in and got one of the lambs, took off with it and said, your servant went after him. And I knocked him down with a slingshot. Now, he jumped up at me and I got him by the beard and slew him. He said, then one day, another uh, animal, a bear, come in and got one, took off and I, I, I killed him. I'm convinced. 
that the God that could deliver me out of the paws of the lion, out of the paws of the bear, how much more will he deliver me out of that boasting, uncircumcised Philistine out there? Yes, Yes, sir. How much more will he do it? I'm convinced that it's right and my brothers hasn't got the courage to fight. That's right, but I'm concerned about the armies of the living God. I'm concerned to see him back up on these issues. Hey, man. Did I say something? <laughs> All right. Yes, sir. I'm concerned that they back up on the issue of God saying that Jesus Christ is not the same yesterday and forever. I'm concerned about them backing up and saying holiness don't belong into the church. There's no such a thing as sanctification of the Spirit. I'm concerned about them saying the days of miracles has passed. What's the matter with them? What's the matter? We're concerned. If they're afraid to do it, we've had an experience out here. We met the devil. That's right. And the God that could defeat the devil in my life and pour into me the baptism of the Holy Ghost can, can slay that uncircumcised devil out there that's trying to defy the armies of the living God. Amen. David was concerned. Why? He was convinced that God was God. He was convinced that a God that could take him in that slingshot and kill a lion could also take that boasting, uncircumcised Philistine under control. Can't you see that, friend? A God that can fill a man with the Holy Ghost, can't he heal a man or a woman that tries to defy a Christian? Oh, certainly he can. A hungry heart that wants to know God, the God that defied the devil and drove him out of my life and put Christ in there, can't he do it for that man too? Sure. A God that can take the desires of the world away from you, can't he also take the desires of the world away from the next man? Sure he can. See, the thing of it is you've got to be convinced. And then you can be concerned if you do it. Over in Judges, we find the third judge. Many of you never did read it. His name is Shamgar. A little bit of one verse wrote of him at the bottom of the page of the, of the Bible in my Scofield Bible here. And uh, Shamgar, he was uh, an Israelite. And during the time of the judges, the Philistines had let all the Israelites raise up their crop. And what would they do? They'd come over, march in where they'd worked all summer, take their crop away from them, go right on back. One day, little Shamgar out there, he was standing, got his barn, got his trashing all done, had his wheat laying up, and probably his little wife kind of ragging, his little kids, you know, pale cheek, had to live very slim because the year before, Philistines got everything. They just had to glean around and get what they could. And there they was in that condition. And about time Shamgar got everything set in order for the winter, he heard a noise. He looked out the window. What coming? Here come 600 Philistines, all in armor, spears, Swords hanging on their side, helmets about an inch thick of brass, great big covered over like this with metal and coats of nail, as they call it. Here they was, tromp, 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 march right on a pot, take away what he had. That's it. You know what? Shamgar, I could just imagine. Look back at his family, look out there on them Philistines. Then he looked up towards heaven. He thought, I am a Jew, I'm in the covenant. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, my father is my God. Amen. I'm circumcised. I'm not a fighter. I don't know anything about a sword. But I'm concerned about my family. I'm convinced that you're a God. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 
Not holler, hey, Mr. Philistines, wait till I get my bachelor's art. Uh, uh, you know, my uh, Ph.D. I'll learn how to do it. Oh, no, you got time for that. Amen. Just know that he's God. Amen. That's all. He said, I know that he's God. I'm convinced that he's God. I know that I'm a Jew. I know I'm in the covenant. I know I'm circumcised. Oh, my. Today we're circumcised by a greater circumcision than that. We're circumcised by the Holy Ghost. Amen. When the world's all cut off of you. Are you in the covenant? Are you a Christian? Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Are you circumcised by the Holy Ghost? And brother, every promise in the Bible belongs to you. Amen. Amen. God's got grace there to make you women get your hair long. Got grace in there to make you man see that she doesn't. Got grace in there for all these things. Got grace in there for your healing. Right, he's God. If it isn't, what are we playing about? What are we carrying on about? We're a sounding brass and a tinkling symbol to become a saltless lost its Savior. That's right. Certainly, we are Pentecostal, or are we? Amen. The next thing, if we're Pentecostals, let's be Pentecostals. If the message is right, get in it. If it is, get out of it and find where it is right. God be God serving. But you can't serve God and mammon at the same time. Let's serve God. Be convinced. And then you'll be concerned. Then the church will really go to growing. Because you'll go out and get everybody you can to bring them in. But as long as you just go around and say, well, that's the preacher's job. It isn't the preacher's job. It's everybody's job. Amen. Right. Every born-again Christian has that same spirit in them. preacher might be gifted, but that's just the gift of the Holy Ghost. Not the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost. Preachers are called prophets and teachers and evangelists and pastors and so forth. They receive the Holy Ghost and a gift to do these things with it. But God don't have any little bitty children, great big children. They're all children to Him. That's exactly right. And you're rightly positioned. You're sitting right now in heavenly places in Christ Jesus with every power. You say, Brother Bram, I'm the least in the church. I'm just a little bitty fellow. But remember, when He ascended on high, see, you're raised with Him. You're in the body. And you're with Christ right now, seated in heavenly places. If you're the skin on the bottom of the feet, every devil's underneath you. Exactly right. The church, where the head is, the body's with it. And if we be buried, died, buried in Christ, then we are raised with Him in His resurrection and set in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Whatever power hell under us. Amen. No matter how little you are, every devil's under you. Why? Our great conqueror has conquered every sin, everything, every sickness, every, even death itself. That's right. We are more than conquerors in Him. Only thing we're seated with Him at His throne. Looking to him as he looks over the Father. That's it. It's there. All right. Shamgar got enough of it. He said, I, I am convinced that he's God. I am concerned with my family. You know what he did? He'd taken that ox goat and jumped out there in the middle of the road and slew 600 Philistines. You know what an ox goat is? Well, it's a stick. About, oh, I guess about six, seven foot long. Maybe not that long with a little piece of a brass on the end of it or something, or iron, and when the plow gets uh, stopped up, sometimes they rake the plow with it like that, and then they punch the gold to the ox like that. Hurry up, hurry on, jump along like that, with a stick in his hand. And he, not nothing on, but he's just his overhauls, as well as farming clothes. And here these Philistines was dressed in helmet and armor with spear, and that one little Jew, 
<laughs> he never only routed, but he slew. <laughs> How did that stick hold up? The first rap he took across the Philistine's head with the armor on about like that, that ox goat went 50 pieces. But he knocked one one way and one the other like that until he knocked the whole bunch up down and killed them. Why? Because he was convinced. Amen. And he was concerned. Man would fight for his family like that, under circumstances like that. What ought the church of the living God to fight with? For the baptism. Shamgar had an ox goat. You've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, my. We don't want four hours tonight, so we better move along. <laughs> All right. Yes, sir. Abraham. You know what he did? He entertained one day. I think it's right about 16, 17, well, about the 19th chapter, I guess, of Genesis. He entertained one day a bunch of men until he was thoroughly convinced who they were. He raised up his eyes when he was sitting out there in the tent. He seen three men coming, dusty clothes, looked at him. He was some little funny feeling come up on him, but them as man is a little different from other men. So he ran out to him and he said, Won't you drop by and sit down under the oak and said and take a little rest and uh, I'll fetch you a little water and I'll wash your feet and, and I'll give you a piece of bread and, and then you refresh yourself, then you can go on your journey. Well, See? You. What was it? He wasn't just going to let the opportunity pass by. Don't you do it tonight either. He's going to hold that opportunity. Now, he said, you sit right here now, and I'll go in and bring the water out. He washed their feet, you know, watching. He said, I'm almost positive I'm right. <laughs> he went over to the next fellow and looked him over, you know, and washed his feet, dusted the dust off his clothes, told Sarah, and I get some bread ready right quick, and told the servants, said, get that calf that I just slew, said, make some chops, and now we're going to feed these men. He kept washing, said, I'm pretty sure. I'm almost positive. And so then, after a while, it went on a little while, and they sat down and eat. Perhaps, when he got ready, they got through eating, they kept looking towards Sodom. And after a while, one of them spoke out and said, uh, Abraham, not Abram now, just a few days before, God had changed his name. Yeah. Amen. Abraham, where is Sarah? Not S-A-R-R-A, but S-A-R-A-H, Sarah. Where is Sarah, thy wife? How do you know his name was Abraham? How do you know he's married? How do you know he had a wife? How do you know his name was Sarah? And how do you know it had been changed from Sarah to Sarah? And him from Abram to Abraham. Abraham said, oh. <laughs> ah, oh yeah. That must be, I've seen him in spirit, but this must be him. He, uh, and Abraham said, she's in the tent. And the Bible said that the man had his back turned to the tent. said, she's in the tent back behind you there. He said, Abraham, I'm going to visit you according to the time of life. You've waited for 25 years now for this. You're 90 years old, 100 years old, and she's 90. And now we're, uh, I'm going to visit you now, and bring, you're going to have this child that I promised you. Oh, I, the personal pronoun, I promised you. Abraham said, I know it so now. But Sarah, back in the room, she didn't understand. She said, Laugh. Said, me, an old woman here, nearly a hundred years old, will have pleasure with my Lord. And said, him being old too, how could we ever uh, be as a family anymore? Said, we couldn't do that. Said, it just couldn't happen. And she laughed within herself. And the man with his back turned to the tent. Said, why did Sarah laugh? 
saying that this thing couldn't be done. Then Abraham knew. <laughs> then Abraham knew. Then Sarah knew. And she came forth trembling and said, I never said, said, yes, you did say it. <laughs> oh, then Abraham was convinced that it was God. He called him Lord, capital L-O-R-D, which is Elohim. <laughs> Not just a myth, he was a God. He was sitting there. said, um, uh, oh, uh, he was thoroughly convinced that that was God. So he's going down to Sodom. And what did he do? Then he was concerned about his lost brother down in Sodom. Right quick, when he seen what was going to happen, he said, uh, if I find 50 men down there that's righteous, will you, will you spare it? 40 and on down to 10. See, he was concerned about his brother. That's it, brother. We're concerned about our brother when we're convinced that it's God. And if we Pentecostal people are convinced this is God, then we'll be concerned about our brethren. That's right. And we act like we're not fully convinced. And sometimes when we pray for the sick, the sick just keeps on going. Say, well, uh, I don't know. Pray for me again and on back and forth. We act like we're not thoroughly convinced that God keeps His promise. God keeps His promise, brother. Certainly He does. If it isn't isn't God's promise, then He don't have to keep it. But if it's His promise, He must keep it in order to be God. Ain't nothing wrong with God. It's with you and I. God promised in the last days what He would do, how He would manifest Himself. In the last days, Jesus said in St. John 14, 12, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. When Philip come up there and, and before Jesus and he saw these things take place, he run got Nathaniel. Nathaniel come over and when Nathaniel got up in his presence, he was thoroughly convinced. Yes, sir. When he said, I saw you when there was another fig tree, he was convinced that that was the Messiah. He said, you're the Son of God. I know the woman at the well, she was thoroughly convinced when he told her she had five husbands at that time. She was convinced, and not only was she convinced, but she was concerned. She ran into the city and said, Come see a man that's told me the things that I've done. Isn't this the Messiah? She was thoroughly convinced. Believe. Know that it was true. Oh, God, have mercy on us. We should stay with him until we're convinced. That's right, to know what's right. Then see his promise made alive among us, we would be concerned. If we would just take God's book here and say he promised to do it, and then stay until we are convinced that he is the God of this word, to see him manifest himself in that word, making that word alive, that you have received the promise in here. If ye abide in me and my words, not just one of them, all of them, and my words abide in you, then you ask what you will, and it will be done unto you. Amen. That's right, see. It's got, not just today, it's night and tomorrow, doubt it. You throw it out tomorrow and say, well, I tell you, I, t- I don't know whether it's right or not. It might be for somebody who don't know about me. Then you see it don't abide. It's gone, see. The birds come by and pick it up, the fowls of the air. But if it falls, come over or past any reasoning, doubts, or anything else, it will bring forth a hundredfold. Amen. Concern. It reminds me, I'm just... Got several more scriptures here I want to refer to, but I'm going to stop in a minute. Say this. I seen the other day a little cartoon in the paper. I want to end up in saying this. That struck me. And it was a, a cartoon is very outstanding. There was a little boy. He's well-dressed on a Sunday morning, ready for Sunday school, his little hair combed, his hat in his hand, done washed his face and had his breakfast and eat something and brushed his teeth and got ready to go to Sunday school. And he was standing at the door of the bedroom of his sleeping father and mother, knocking on the door, 
saying, which one of you all are going to take me to Sunday school? <laughs> Concern. That's it. That's just it, friend. Concern. Do you realize that the responsibility of this city, of Tempe here, I believe is resting upon your shoulders. I believe that God has made you lighthouses, each one of you. you you're, the responsibility of the sins of this city is resting upon ministers, upon the church people, the pilgrims, as we're journeying through. Don't you believe that? Are, well, are you not afraid? Surely you're not afraid to take God at His Word. God keeps His Word. God is not a God to say that He's one thing and then another. See? If He promises anything, that thing He'll do. God keeps His Word. Do you believe that? Don't you believe that the same Jesus that was raised up from the grave has come back in the form of the Holy Ghost and is in us now? A little while and the world seeth me no more, yet ye shall see me. Ye shall see me. See? For I'll be with you even in you. See? To the end of the consummation, to the end of the world, I'll be right with you. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Lo, I'm with thee always, even to the end of the world. See? The world won't see it, but ye shall see it. The world don't believe it. You're the one that, the ones that believes it is the ones that receives it. That is true. Oh, uh, friends, here's the secret. Here's the thing I want you to know. I, I'm so happy to come to speak to you tonight. You're such a nice audience. I'm so glad to be in Brother Groomish Church here. I see, I believe you was a treasurer one time or something another, in one of our meetings or something another, taking care of secretary, treasurer, and so forth. And I, I always wanted to come to his little church. He asked me them damn times, Brother Bram, come up and speak for us. There's another bunch of people that I'd love to get to. And that's these Indians up here, uh, just above here, the, those Navajo or Apache Indians. Um, the precious people, I remember them meetings up there, how we had them. And, and wherever I am, I still can remember these lovely meetings around here with those people. And I, the same message that I preached at the beginning, I still have the same thing. I still stand the same way. It's God, friends. I am thoroughly convinced that this Holy Ghost way is God. Now, that is the truth. I believe it with all my heart. Now, and if we, you have to be convinced. If you don't, then you're not concerned. Now, if I wasn't concerned or convinced that the Holy Ghost way was right, I'd still be in the Baptist church. Because they're a fine bunch of brethren over in that Baptist church. Yes, sir. Them missionary brethren are fine brethren. Some of them. But I love them yet. And I am con thoroughly convinced, though, that the church is time for the church to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. That's Christ coming into you, making Himself known through miracles. Now, the, the Baptist believes that the, also in most all the churches, uh, besides Catholic, the Catholic takes that little wafer, you know, for the God being in that wafer. One night I'm going to preach on that, uh, you know, paganism versus Christianity, if the Lord will. So, um... Uh, about this wafer being God. So now, um, I, uh, I believe that all Protestants believe in the great evangelical move that, that, uh, uh, that's really born to the Spirit of God or got any God about them. They know the Holy Spirit comes, but they don't say that he, when He comes that He's changed His nature, they seem to be. See, you think, well, He just intolerates the world and the people can go around on living the way they always, you know, just go to church and try to be a good fellow, do the best you can. That's not it, friends. When the Holy Ghost comes into you, He makes you a new creature. 
Yes, sir. He makes you a new creature. And He puts Himself within you, and you are His idol. You, he's living inside of you, working, moving His own way in you. Now, I read the Old Testament first, and I've seen what God was in the Old Testament through those prophets. I come over to the New Testament, and I've taken the New Testament, and I found out the same God of the Old Testament was also the same God of the New Testament. Amen. Then I took from the New Testament down to the organizing of the early Catholic Church, which is about 300 years at the Nicaea Council, when the bishops take the name of Pope, and the Roman Church, and which took the dogma side, and the Orthodox Catholic believed the Bible and continued on, but the Roman Church taken over the, the dogma side, and they still do it today. And, uh, and so then, in there, they lost out the miracles and signs that went on down for the hundreds of years until the Reformation. Then the Reformation came forth. There come Martin Luther and John Wesley, uh, I believe, angels of the church ages as we pass through the Philadelphian age and the uh, Thyatira age, and now down at the Lady of Sin church age. And the most pitiful side of all of it is that Lady of Sin church age because Christ was put outside of His church and was knocking, trying to get back on the inside of it. No. Yes, that's right. The church that we come into, trying to get back after he'd been put out. Oh, brother, sister, how he wants to get in among his church. How he wants to move among them. How he wants to express himself to the, to the world. He can only do it as he uses you and I. How did they know that that was Messiah? How did the woman of the well know that was Messiah? When he told her that she had five husbands. How did Nathaniel say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God? Because he said, I saw you when you were under the tree. <laughs> See? That's how they know it. That's what's the sign of the Messiah. That is true. Amen. Just ask anybody. Look through the Bible. That's what it is, the sign of Messiah. Now, he's, I've been through this country many times. And I, I am no Messiah. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm your brother. But what I'm trying to say that the Messiah, the Christ, the same Holy Spirit that was in Christ, that's what made Him Messiah. Christ means the Anointed One. He was a body of flesh that was conceived in the womb of a woman. And some of you good Catholic people try to make her a goddess. Did you realize she wasn't no more than an incubator that God used? Certainly not. She's no queen of heaven. She's a woman. That God just chose that woman because she's clean and a virgin and overshadowed with the Holy Ghost and created a body in her by His own creation. Amen. She had no spurn to it at all. Not at all. No, indeed. He, he, he was neither Jew nor Gentile. He was God. He was created in the womb. And that clean, holy body without any spurn from human being at all was a holy, sanctified vessel that Jehovah dwelt in. Therefore, Jesus said, It's not me that doeth the works, it's my Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the work. That's right. He could speak and say the words. And what it was, it isn't me, it's my Father that dwelleth in me. See, and His Father, that's the reason He prayed to the Father. He said, someone asked me, he said, Well, then how could He pray to the Father if the Father was in Him? I said, How do you pray to the Father if the Father is in you? <laughs> there you are. You pray to the Holy Ghost, so you sure do. See, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself. Great Jehovah God dwelt in Christ. We, it's in us by measure, Him without measure. Now, but this measure that's in Him, the whole church together in a body, see? Now we find out the same God was in the Old Testament, was in the New Testament, on down to the Nicaea Council. He was still in the church. And here we find Him in the last days, the same God, Amen. the same Holy Ghost, Amen. same signs, 
Same wonders, same miracles, same expressions, same thing. Listen, you know I do missionary work. I've been practically around the world about seven times. Notice, over in the lands where people don't even know which is right and left hand, they couldn't speak one word of any kind of English. Some of them, they don't even have a dialect. They, they have no sentences or nothing. They just make some kind of a chopping noise like birds. Some of them make chopping noise like animals that they hear in the woods. Chatter, gurgle, make all kinds of noise. Never heard such a thing as Jesus Christ or anything else. But brother, let the Holy Ghost fall on them. They do the same thing you do right here. That's right. That's right. They do the same thing you do right here in Tempe. That's exactly right. Without telling them anything about it. No, sir. The only thing the Holy Ghost does it, they do the same thing you do. It's the Holy Ghost, brother. He is God in the Germany. He's God in Switzerland. He's God in Arizona. He's God everywhere. God on the housetop. He's God in the cellar. God in the church. He's God in you. Amen. Yes, sir. I believe him. Every word that he spoke is, Thus saith the Lord. I believe this Bible to be the truth. Amen. You believe it that way? Amen. Was there any sick people in here to be prayed for? Raise up your hands. Last night we had a little prayer line running. All right. Now, I didn't come to the church this time. I didn't come, you know, giving out prayer cards and, and bringing the people uh, up and maybe get six or seven, ten or something like that and be so weak they almost half packed me out. I just come praying, laying hands on the sick and things like that going on. Of course, it can be done the other way. That's just up to the people to see or up to God, brother. Whatever God wants to do. But He is God. I don't care where it is. Uh, just the simple things. Uh, uh, Brother Welsh from that snake bitch, there was no vision about that, was there? Just laid hands up on him. That was all. Because He's God. One night or one of the breakfasts somewhere, I want to tell you something happened just a few weeks ago since uh, losing my mother and uh, praying, going into the woods and putting on this insulated underwear to get into the cave in the winter times. It's zero weather out there and out there for days after day and night after night living before God till He came down and spoke to me. Yes, sir. Yes, sure that I was positive. It must be. i got to be sure of what I'm talking about because I've got souls that believe in me and I've got souls that believe it. I'm telling them the truth that God sent me and God's obligated to stand behind His Word and back that up and He'll do it. Yes, sir. If he sends you, he'll vindicate that he sent you. Just exactly. Amen. I believe that, don't you? Amen. I, I know he's here right now. Amen. It is, something is pouring all over me right now. I, I know that we're sitting tonight in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You believe it? Amen. I'm going to change my mind. I ain't changed my mind, but God's changed it for me. Amen. I don't see a person that I know in here. Unless it would that be this lady sitting right here. That's lady there. I believe she just prayed for her last night. All that's sick, raise up your hand. All that don't know me and knows I don't know anything about you, I mean, raise up your hand. Or it's just everywhere, I guess. That's right. If God, that same God. Amen. Here's a challenge. Look at there. People you don't know. Never seen. If you're sick, God knows you're sick. If your heart broke, He knows your heart broke. If you sin, he knows you've sinned. Talk of a miracle. Now it takes the power of Almighty God to come down and to prove that he's the same God that always has been to still be God. If he'll do that at least three times in this building, right now, twice or three times is a, 
as a confirmation. I don't, I don't know whether you will or not. But I just, I see that clock getting 9.30. I know a prayer night that many people would run us up here about 11.30. And I know Brother Norman's driving all the way down yonder, uh, 100 and something miles to Tucson, different ones. And tomorrow night, so I've got 10 or 12 services yet, maybe 15 yet to preach. I just, I believe that right now, if you believe it with me, that we're in heavenly places. I, let me ask and prove to you that God still is God just as much right here in this building tonight as He was when he, Abraham talked to Him down there in that body of flesh. Remember that flesh, I don't know what it was. They said a theophany. Ministers tried to say it was a theophany. But how does a theophany eat veal chops? <laughs> no, sir. A theophany doesn't eat. He is a man in a body of flesh, but yet it was God. What was it a sign of? He said, as it was in the days of Lot and Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. That God would come down into human flesh and make Himself known, just like He did back there. That was a, remember, that was the last sign that was given before fire fell and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And this world today, and this nation, and this people has become like a modern Sodom. That's right. And what did he say? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. Eating, drinking, giving in marriage, as it was in the days of Lot. What happened when Lot, in the days of Lot, what taken place? Look, an angel came down, or an angel's in man form. And this man, with his not knowing Abraham, told him about his conditions and about Sarah and what was going to happen, all about it. And there they found out then that Abraham was convinced that that was God and began to plead for his brother. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. God promised it. No matter, you don't have to be a great cathedral, you don't have to be a, a thousands in the campaign, or wherever two or three are gathered, I'm in there. Yes. Yeah. If God will prove it tonight, can discern your thoughts. And, uh, the, the Bible said, and Hebrews, the fourth chapter, listen close. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the sunder of the mire of the bone. Is that right? And even a discerner of the thoughts of the mind. Yes, sir, is that right? right? What is the Word of God? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. By His righteous living and His sanctified body, His pure, unadulterated blood, He gave it freely for us unclean sinners. And through that, God taken His sacrifice and sanctified a church that He might send back His Holy Spirit to continue the works that Jesus did. Amen. The works that I do shall you do also. You believe that? You believe that Jesus Christ is the virgin-born Son of God. You believe that His his holy blood was not by a man. That we know that the blood cell comes from the male sect. In this way, it was God alone who created a blood and brought forth the Son, Christ Jesus. And He was the Son of Jehovah God. God dwelled in Him. And then when He gave His life a ransom on the tree and He washed the sinner that will believe on Him and has taken Him and a propitiation of our sins has been made and is washed us by the water of the Word and has cleansed us. And now we become sanctified, not our goodness, but His mercy, that the Holy Spirit might continue the work to the church down through the age to declare Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Amen. Oh, God. Amen. Amen. 
That went over three things then. Yesterday, today, and forever. Three rows of church. Amen. Let God call from all three rows then. Will you believe it? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, only you alone can do this. But that this people might know, Lord, that the hour is at hand. We may not live till morning. We don't know about that, but we have to meet you. We're sure of that. For man must first die and after this the judgment. we got to meet God somewhere. And Father God, I have talked tonight that you are still the same God. And the people, Lord, I trust that you will make yourself so real this way, Father. They, they've heard preaching. we got some of the finest ministers. I believe, Father, that there is in the world lives along in this country. And a real, holy, uh, uh, dedicated man to the service of God in these fine churches throughout these, this country here. I believe that. They are my brethren. And I come, Lord, among them, uh, even as a stranger one day, and they receive me. And they've taken me in. And they, they love me. And, and yet, many times that I have to scold and say things to them, sometimes going along with some organization, denomination that's getting them off of the beaten path. And I scold them and still, they're just as sweet and love me. And I know that they're your servants, Father. And they know that I don't do that to be nasty. Lord, you never deal with a person like that. Now, Father, to know that it, the way back is through holiness and through the sanctification of the Spirit and the consecration of lives. Let the people, there may be strangers here tonight. There may be Presbyterian, Methodist, Catholic, uh, uh, group with us tonight. There may be those who do not believe. And then, Father, just to preach the Word, they have a right to go away maybe and say, my pastor teaches a difference, my priest says difference. But, Lord, when they know that the Bible... All denominations know that Hebrews 13, 8 said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now you, Lord, that a little woman touched your garment one day, pressing through a crowd, and you turned around and said, Who touched me? And everybody denied it. But that great power of God that was in you, the fullness of God, you looked around on the audience till you found the little woman that had the blood issue. And when you told her of it, her blood issue staunched. It stopped. You're the same God. I pray, God, tonight that you'll sanctify these believers in here that's sick. At least one or one out of each row or more, Lord. Across, back in the back, standing outside, wherever it may be. That somebody will see beyond a shadow of doubt that this is the truth. The Holy Spirit is right. And the Bible is right. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I ask this blessing in the name of Jesus Christ and for His glory. Amen. Now to this little waiting audience, I want you to pray just a moment in your hearts, and I want you to look this away. I want you to believe with all your heart that God is in the building. Now, He's in spirit. We all know that God is a... And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, what is the truth? Christ, the Word. The Word is truth. The Spirit is the Holy Spirit. The Word is the truth. And the Holy Spirit gets a hold of the Word of promise and brings it to pass. See? If ye abide me, my words in you, any promise in there is yours then. If ye abide in me and my word in you, then it isn't you, it's the Word of promise that's doing it. See it? I hope you do, children. Bless your heart.
One of these days we're going to have our last sermon down here. Did you know that? And we're going to move up. And you just say, Father God, Brother Branham knows nothing about me. Maybe you don't even know me. Any, I don't remember where you are. Just somewhere in the building. Just say, Father God, He knows nothing about me. But let Him speak to me and tell me what my trouble is or something like that. And I, I'll believe you. I'll believe you because the Word then I know is flesh. With He and I together, the contact with God, the Holy Spirit is here. Let Him do. A lady with her hands laying on her lap like that looked up and said, Yes, just then. And she nodded her head. She believed it. You said just the right thing. There's a woman one time, a Serpiopian woman. She was a Gentile. She came to the Lord Jesus and she said, Lord, thou son of David, have mercy on my daughter. Now, he was no son of David to her. She is a Gentile. See? So he went on like he never noticed her. And she cried after him and Finally, he turned around and said, It's not meat for me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. Oh, would that have made some of us so-called Christians really go up about it? Call us a dog. She never, she knew that was true. She said, That's the truth, Lord. But the children, but the dogs eat the scraps under their master's table. He said, For this same, because you said it, the high blood pressure you've got, and heart trouble, if you'll believe it with all your heart, it'll leave you. Will you accept it? That was your trouble, wasn't it? I've never seen the woman in my life. She's a stranger. Here, let's see another one. Right over from her, a little woman with a green-looking dress on. If God doesn't help that woman, she's going to have to be operated on for a tumor. That's right. Raise up your hand, lady. I've never seen her in my life. But she has a tumor. The weakness and sadness of her heart, if you'll believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, shall perform that operation and take it away from you without an operation of a natural man's hand, you can have what you ask for. Are you convinced? Do you believe? Somebody else in the building, pray. Believe with all your heart. Here's a little lady sitting right here praying. She's got a red checkered-looking jacket on. She's sick and weak. She just got up from pneumonia. That is right. You believe that Jesus Christ will heal you, lady? If you do, raise your hand way up high and say, I accept it. Praise God. Sitting right next to her, the man there with the back trouble, you believe that he'll make you well, sir? Then raise up your hand and say, I accept it. You believe? Are you convinced? Then be concerned. Way back towards the back, a little gray-headed woman sitting back there with a little scarf around her neck. She's got arthritis in her hands. She's been praying a long time for that to be healed. You believe that God will heal you, lady? Sitting right there, right straight down here. Do you believe it? That God will heal the arthritis? You can have what you've asked for, if you believe it. 
The man next to you there's prostrate trouble. If you'll believe it with all your heart, you can be healed. You believe it, sir? You was trying to get her to believe it, and you couldn't make her see it, but God healed you of the prostrate trouble when he passed her by. Now, you received your healing. God bless you. It's over. It's gone. There you are. Do you believe? Are you convinced? Then let's be concerned. Are the rest of you concerned? How many is concerned in here? Is there a sinner present? Are you concerned about your destination before we pray for the sick? Are you concerned about your destination? If you are concerned about your destination, why not walk up here and receive Christ when you're right into His presence here at the platform? Come up here. Just come up any person that's, that's concerned and knows that they're not right with God. I'm asking you tonight to come right up here at the altar and stand here for prayer. Inside or out, no matter where you are, walk up here. God bless you, lady. That's the way to do it. Is there someone else concerned about where you're going? If you're not sure that you're right and you're concerned, come on. are you convinced that it's Christ? Are you convinced that at me a man could not do those things? Are you convinced that God promised to do it in the last days? That's God's Word. He convi- are you convinced of it? I've seen something else happen just then. Praise be to God. They'll find it out. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, praise God. That's wonderful. Amen. If you, oh, are you convinced? Are you, do you really believe with all your heart? Somebody here is not sure whether you're right with God or not. Won't you come stand here for a word of prayer just a moment? Come right on up. Now, if you're, are you not convinced that you're positive right? Some of you women that still claims the Holy Ghost and wearing short hair. You mean to tell me of all this preaching you are not yet convinced when the Bible said what it did about woman with short hair? Huh? And a wearing act some of you man that still smokes and carries on? Some of you women that wear these clothes and God said it's an abomination to him. You say the flesh don't make any difference, then why did God raise the flesh of Christ up? What are we supposed to live holy if it don't mean nothing? Sure, it'll come again the resurrection. Right. If you believe this be the Spirit of God, then it's condemning you. Right. And how are you going to be condemned? The guilty of the least is guilty of the whole. You know to do better. Someone said, as I made a remark last night, someone said to me, Brother Brown, won't you leave off them women? Leave off them men. Quit doing that. He said, well, you're, you, people think you're a prophet. I said, I'm no prophet. He said, people claim you to be. Oh, won't you teach them how to receive spiritual gifts? I said, how can I teach them algebra when they don't even know their ABCs? <laughs> they don't have common decency enough to clean themselves up and act like Christians. How are you going to tell them spiritual things about heavenly things? Amen. That's right. Let the Pentecostal church straighten itself up. Get right with God, and I'll prove to you that the Holy Ghost will come right in. Why, this, the church will be so full of the power of the Holy Ghost, there can't be one member do one sin. The Holy Ghost will call it right out like Ananias or five. Right. But you can't do it when you won't even take your kindergarten training. Certainly not. Come on up the altar. Like these women have. Say, you mean there's only two women in this bunch? Remember it. It's on your lap and it's on your hands and you'll never wash it off. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let us bow our heads. Come forward.
as we believe now on Him as we pray. You standing for salvation too, Sonny. Bless your heart, Sonny. Stand right there. As we bow our head, they're bringing some other lady that maybe can't walk or something coming up to accept salvation for herself. Now we're going to... Let, that's all right. Just let her stand right there. And that's all right, sis. You don't have to walk to do it. He'll come right to the seat where you are. Let us, she just wants to make... Now, if a woman that can hardly walk and they're wiggling around is convinced that the thing is right and ready to come and repent for what she's done that's wrong, what about you women that, and man too that can stand on your feet and walk good? It'll rise in the day of judgment just because we wear the name Pentecost. That don't mean anything. That's it. You've got to be born again. When you're born again, you walk in Bible light. You do what the Bible says. Amen. Let us pray now. Heavenly Father, your presence is here. And oh, how bold it makes us talk when your presence is here because we know that it's not us that's speaking, then it's the Holy Spirit. And, oh, Father, how it hurts sometimes to hear your, your own voice say things that you would never say at all. But then how could anyone doubt it being the Holy Spirit had to see him do the works that he did when he was here in the body of the Lord Jesus and left us the promise that he would do the same works through us, his servants. And now, Father, we're grateful for him because he come to reprove the world of sin. Sin is unbelief. Those who say that it cannot be done, yet it proves that it is done. And on the scientific record today, we... Know that you have proven yourself to be with us by many infallible proofs. Here stands these people standing around the altar tonight after making this call and preaching this message of being convinced and then concerned. They realize that their life has been shallow and they, they haven't been able to do the things that they, they wanted to do. And they realize that no fault laid in you, but they realize the fault laid in themselves. So they've come tonight, Lord, to confess their wrong. Some of these little women with their hair bobbed, standing up here like they did last night, knowing that that's the truth. The Bible said so. It's a dishonorable thing. Isn't it a common thing for a woman to pray with her hair is her covering, with her covering cut off? She dishonors her head. How that that's Christian teaching. And the great teacher that taught us that, Paul, said in Galatians 1, 8, If an angel from heaven comes preaching and everything else than that what I've already taught, let him be accursed. We know that it's the truth. And Father, these precious ministers calling that out hour after hour, hour after hour. The congregation still staggering on. How their hearts long to see their church all filled with the Holy Spirit and like godly men and women sitting there in the Spirit so powerful in the place they'll ever send the church be called out. Great wonders and signs take place like it did in the early days. Father, then we go from place to place giving our witness with our brethren. And they see the Holy Spirit moving through different operations and know that it is God. Then they stand condemned and said, Lord, some man's sins goes before them, some follows. They're confessing theirs tonight, Lord, that it'll go before them. I pray that you help them. 
each one of them, Lord. And now in consecrating their hearts to Thee, they give You their hearts, their lives, for service. What more can they do, Lord? Now, may the Holy Spirit, who brought conviction by it, by His Word and by His presence to confirm His Word, to make it positive, the truth, may He give to them that sanctifying potion that will give them the desire of their heart in order to serve You. Grant it, Lord. One precious soul there said that the enemy was hes just trying to get saved and get right, and the enemy kept making her say bad words against God or bad thoughts against Him. I pray, Father, now as Your servant, I rebuke that devil. Go off of that woman. Leave her alone. May God of heaven fill her with the Holy Spirit. And Satan, you can't bind her any longer. Turn her loose. Let her go. In the name of Jesus Christ, this church, the holy church of God, praise in one accord that that devil shall never return to her again. May she go now in the peace of God through Jesus Christ's name. We consecrate this to you, Father, for your glory. Amen. Amen. Now, without one shadow of doubt in your hearts and minds, now just upon the basis that God made the promise, you come to consecrate your lives, and you believe with all your heart that standing at this altar tonight, telling God that you're sorry for what you have done, that you will live a different life from this on. Do you believe God hears your prayer and you'll be able to do it? Raise up your hand to Him and say, I accept you, my Lord. Amen. God bless you. That's good. Now you can go to your seats and know it's all over. I believe it. You believe it, everybody in there? Now how many of you out there is sick and didn't get the Holy Spirit? Never caused? I've seen four or five. It's already it's kind of gone from me now, that discernment. But I've seen somebody back in here or and then back in the back, standing back there. But I don't remember what it was. That light was over him. I seen what taking place. But the Holy Ghost is here, friends. Do you believe it with all your heart? Amen. Now, how many here has got the baptism of the Spirit? Raise up your hand. All right. The Bible said these signs will follow them that believe. Will you lay your hands on each other? Let me pray for you from the platform here. So it's ten o'clock now. Five minutes to ten. Yes, honey. Sure. In Jesus' name, may he go and be healed of this asthma and may it never bother him again. Amen. Bless your heart. He's going to leave you. You're going to be a good, strong, healthy man. Almighty God, we are your children by faith. In Christ Jesus, we are members of the body of Christ by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We are sojourners here on earth, pilgrims, knowing that heaven is our home and this is not our abode here. So we look to things that are above. Now we believe that we're in heavenly places in Christ. Let the power of Almighty God settle over this building and come into every heart. Satan, we adjure thee by Jesus Christ, the living God, that you leave this people. Come out of them, Satan, and go from them that they can be made well. Through the name of Jesus Christ.
How many believes it? How many is convinced? How many is concerned? Raise your hand. Say, I am concerned. I am convinced that this is the truth that I am now convinced that by stripes I'm healed. I'm now convinced that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is right. I'm now convinced that Jesus Christ is in our midst. What did John say? There's one standing among you. One standing among you who you know not. I'll have to change that part of it tonight and say, there's one standing among you who you see not. That's the Holy Spirit. He is the one. Amen. That makes every promise true. Do you believe it with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind? Rise up to your feet and accept it then as your healing, as your salvation, whatever you may be. Remember the next service tomorrow night is at Brother Outlaw's Church. Brother Outlaw down in Phoenix tomorrow night. Let us raise our hands now and sing this song to God. I don't know whether I can start or not. I love him. I love him because he first loved me. All together. I love him. that come and follow the services. Tomorrow night, it's at Brother Outlaw's church. It's called the Name of Jesus Church. Down in Phoenix, at, you got yeah, Brother, yeah, Brother Groomer here will announce it. All right. The Lord bless you till I see you tomorrow night. God be with you.